Luke chapter 3, and we'll be going over verses 18 through 20, verses 18, 19, and 20 today. Luke 3, verse 18. Then, along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him about Herodias, his brother's wife, and about all the evil things Herod had done, added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. On the Sabbath day, we covered Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and we talked about how that John the baptizer said that he wasn't the Messiah, but that the Messiah was soon to come. He said, there's going to be one that's going to come after me, and he's more powerful than I am, and I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal strap, Brother John. What a statement of humility to make. He said, I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he's got that winnowing fork in his hand. And he's going to thresh out that wheat, pull the wheat into the barn, and the chaff he'll burn up with unquenchable fire, inextinguishable fire. Well, we come now to verse 18 in Luke chapter 3. And for those of you that don't normally hear me teach, whether you're sitting here today or by way of telephone, what I like to do is just teach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And what that helps me to do is not camp out on just one subject, right? Because I'll be honest, I have some subjects that I like more than others. And if I just got to pick what I wanted to preach on, you'd hear the same thing all the time. But if I teach through books of the Bible, it forces me to study and to teach on whatever the text that's next is talking about. So that's what we do here. I think that's the best way to teach the Scriptures. Verse 18 says, Then along with many other exhortations, he, speaking of John the baptizer, proclaimed good news to the people. What we have here written by Luke the physician is not all of what John the baptizer said to the people during his ministry. Verse 18 lets us know this because it says, with many other exhortations, he spoke. And then it says that he spoke good news to the people. And that word good news is evangelizo in the Greek. That ought to sound familiar with you because it's where our word evangelize in English comes from. And basically it means a a good word. You've ever heard of somebody standing up at a funeral and saying a eulogy? Well, that word eulogy means a good word about the person that has passed on. John spoke the good news, and when we think about John the baptizer, even what I've talked about him in the past few sermons, we don't normally think that John was a guy that preached good news. We think that John preached bad news. And he was what people would call a wild man. And he was very what the world would call harsh and blunt and straightforward. And he didn't rub off the burrs on the edges. But yet verse 18 lets us know that John was a good news preacher. Now, everything that we might think is good news preaching isn't necessarily categorized under good news preaching. If John was a good news preacher, that means that preaching the good news includes preaching against 
sin, naming the sin, calling forth people to repent like John did, and pointing people to the Savior. That's good news preaching. Psalm 19, verse 7, we sing about it, right? The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. You know what that means? That means that people in the world need to hear the law of Yahweh because it's the law that convicts them of their sin. They'll never understand the goodness and the sweetness of the gospel unless they first understand the horror and the shame and the wretchedness and the filthiness of their self. You have to preach the law first because it convicts and it converts and it allows men to know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. When you witness to people out on the street and you talk to people that may not know anything, you can just go through the commandments with them and they know, they know if they've committed thievery or adultery or murder in their heart or physical murder. They've taken Yahweh's name in vain or put other gods before Yahweh. They know in their heart, if you use the law of Yahweh, they automatically know that they're a sinner. I watched a guy that I like to watch sometimes. His name is Ray Comfort. And one of the things that he does is he witnesses to people using the law of Yahweh before he tells them the good news. You won't understand how good the good news is until you understand the harshness and the severity of the bad news. So Ray Comfort, he says that he sat on planes with people that had vocabularies, you know, so much bigger than him. And they've talked to him about this subject and that subject, and they went on and on and used all these great big words, and then he looks at him and he says, "Mm, you know, he said, that's nice. He said, I have a question for you. They say, what is it, sir? He asks him, he said, have you ever told a lie? And they look at him and they say, well, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, have you ever told a lie? And they said, well, yeah, I've told many lies before. And then he says, well, what does that make you? And he says, they look at him funny. And they don't want to say it. But eventually he gets them to say, that makes you a liar or that makes me a liar. When you present them with the law of Yahweh, they know that they're a transgressor. And you need to use the law of Yahweh to convert people's souls. That's what it's there for, to convict and to condemn. And then when they come to that emotional place to where they are sorry and they're saddened by their sin, then you share the sweetness of the gospel with them. That's what John the baptizer did. Repent. Remember he said, you brood of vipers, you offspring of snakes, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring fruit and meat for repentance. Don't tell me about the genealogy you have. I want to see some works. I want to see some fruit. Then when they ask him what to do, do you notice his tone goes down a little bit? He begins to tell them what to do. And then here in verse 18, we read, he preached the good news to the people. The good news about the coming Messiah. Pointing people to the Son of Yahweh. That yes, you are terrible. You are filthy. And you should go straight to Gehenna. But if you repent... Put your faith in the coming one that's more powerful than I am. All that past can be wiped clean. All that past. Sometimes, in my mind, I think about things and sins that I've done in the past. 
And sometimes I let it plague me. I shouldn't. I should not. If I've repented of that and Yeshua's blood has covered that, I should not let that plague me about my past life. But sometimes the enemy tries to bring that up in my mind. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, we all have sinned and fallen short of Yahweh's perfect glory. But there's one man that never did. He lived perfectly. He died a sacrificial substitute death on the tree. And then the Father raised him from death on the third day. And when you repent of your sins and put your trust in the one that Yahweh sent, all those sins are wiped clean. They're covered by the blood that was shed at Calvary. And Yahweh doesn't remember those sins. Who was it? I think Brother Arnold brought up in a testimony not long ago how about Yahweh doesn't remember those transgressions we've been forgiven of. Right? And then He wipes you clean and then you're a willing vessel to receive a measure of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it indwells you and all that filth that left now has been replaced with something beautiful. This is the good news. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news and it's been replaced with something that now you want to love your neighbor and you even want to love your enemies. You want to do good. You don't want to lie. You want to tell the truth. You don't want to bear false witness. You don't want to steal. You want to give. You don't want to hate. You want to love. John was a preacher of the good news with many other words, verse 18 says, many other exhortations. He preached good news to the people and a lot of them received it. Verse 19, but Herod, the Tetrarch, Herod, when you study out who he was, he was what is called an Egemean. He was an Edomite. He was a Tetrarch. That word Tetrarch means the ruler over a fourth of a country. The first part, tetra, has to do with fourth, and then the ark has to do with ruler, like architect or archangel. It's power and authority. Herod, though, wasn't a good fella. Herod was a bad guy. And Herod was rebuked, verse 19 says, being rebuked by him, by him, the him is John, about Herodias, his brother's wife and about all the evil things Herod had done. Now, here we are going to get back to the kind of man that John the baptizer was. He was a man that was not afraid of the face of a human being. He was a man that wasn't afraid of a ruler, a tetrarch, named Herod. How do I know that? Because John continued to publicly rebuke Herod and tell him, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herod was involved for a large portion of his days in sexual immorality. He was. Now, let's look at a couple texts. This is where John was going to. Look with me to Leviticus chapter 18. I think that it should go without saying before we even go to Leviticus 18 that if John was telling Herod it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. I think it should go without saying that if you take the wife of another man, that's one of the ways that you commit adulteration. 
to take another man's wife. But I think more or less what John has in his mind is Leviticus 18, verse 16. And in Leviticus 18, we have several immoral practices that Yahweh condemns in his Torah. And he condemns several practices with close familial relationships. Uncovering the nakedness, and he's talking about intimacy here, uncovering the nakedness of someone that is a close relative, family-wise. Look at verse uh, 15. Leviticus 18, verse 15 says, You are not to uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You are not to uncover her nakedness. You are not to uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It will shame your brother. You are not to uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. And you can read above and below, and it talks about several other sexually immoral practices. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 20, verse 21. Uh, Let's read verse 20 and 21. It says, If a man sleeps with his aunt, he has shamed his uncle. They will bear their guilt and die childless. Verse 21, If a man marries his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has shamed his brother. They will be childless. John the Baptizer, Levite, righteous, Torah keeper, believer in the Messiah. He tells Herod, this ruler, it's not lawful for you to do what you're doing. Do you know if you read the book of Josephus, I think it's in the Antiquities of the Judahites, uh, book 18, maybe around chapter 5, somewhere right around in there. Josephus tells the account of what took place here, and Herod was on this trip, and he had stopped off to visit Philip, his kinsman, his brother who had a wife named Herodias. And while he was there, he coveted Philip's wife, and he talked her secretly into leaving his brother and coming and joining herself with him. John doesn't back down from condemning sin. John the baptizer is not afraid to rebuke a political leader of his sin. I ought to get an amen from some of you politicians in here on that, right? It's awful quiet in here. John has no fear or favor of man. He fears Almighty Yahweh. Brothers and sisters, what this lets us know is that as bad as I, and I speak for myself here, I do not like to hurt other people's feelings. But as bad as I don't like to hurt other people's feelings, sometimes other people's feelings have to be hurt. And sometimes it doesn't really matter what kind of attitude you say it in. You say it in a spirit of love. They're still going to feel uneasy. They're still going to feel convicted and condemned. But you know what? If they're living in unrepentant sin, they need to feel that way. They need to. And that's what Herod's problem was. He had violated these laws, Leviticus 18.16 and Leviticus 20.21, and taken his brother's wife. Now, Mind you that there is a law, we won't go there, it's not the point of the sermon, but there is a law in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10, that talks about how that, in certain cases, you could have two brothers in Israel, and one of those brothers is married, but he dies before he has a child to carry on the family name. And in that case, 
His name needs to be carried on through the people of Israel. And so because that brother has died, this brother then is allowed by Yahweh's law to go into his brother's wife, his deceased brother's wife, and raise up seed. And it wasn't necessarily a commandment. He could refuse to do it. But if he refused, the woman got to spit in his face. Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 10. So, but in this case, in Herod's case, we're not talking about that. Okay, it's a righteous thing to cause a man of Israel's name to continue on in the community. We're talking about somebody that had unlawful lust in his heart after somebody, another person or woman in this case, that he should not have been even considering. But he wasn't worried about Yahweh's law, Brother Gary. Herod wasn't because he didn't have a new heart. But John the baptizer still rebuked him. It's not lawful to do what you're doing. Now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. What we want to do is we want to read horizontally in this teaching a little bit. Remember that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. And the reason they're called synoptic gospels, the word synoptic means with one eye. Many times, most times, Matthew, Mark, and Luke will record the same stories but with a little bit different flair, a little bit different information. And it helps to fill in the gaps. Well, Matthew records this story more at length than Luke does. Luke just says that little bit about it over there in verse 19. But look in Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. It says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Yeshua. Yeshua had been going around. He'd been performing miracles and healing people and all this kind of stuff. And Herod heard about it. And Herod said, according to verse 2, this is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. Now, now we're going to backtrack a little bit here in the next verses, but Herod was so scared of John the baptizer, he had already put him to death. We're going to talk about that in a second. He had already put him to death, but he heard about what Yeshua was doing, and he thought that Yeshua was John the baptizer raised from the dead. And he got worried. He got worried. Well, verse 3 is going to tell us a little bit about the story. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Since John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her exclamation point. <laughs> we ought to put maybe three exclamation points after that because I believe John was shouting it from the rooftops, right? He wasn't scared of this leader. John was not worried. John the Baptizer's he was not worried about getting thrown into prison. He was more worried about hurting Yahweh's feelings than he was hurting Herod's feelings. Verse 5, Though he wanted to kill him, he feared the crowd since they regarded him as a prophet. So Herod wanted to kill John, but he feared the people because everybody thought John was a prophet, and they were right, he was. Verse 6, But when Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before them and pleased Herod. Now, when you study out the dancing right here, this is not talking about praising his name in the dance, brothers and sisters. <laughs> you know, there is a righteous way to dance before Yahweh. This is talking about a very uh, seductive, that's a good word to use in, in the company we're in, uh, uh, a lot of debauchery going on. Uh, scantily clothed, uh, seductive dancing that we should not be involved in. Amen? Amen. And so here, Herod, uh, watching this dancing, 
And it says that it pleased Herod. And in verse 7 it says, So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. And prompted by her mother, guess who her mother was? Herodias. And Herodias was upset with John the baptizer too. Why? Because he was pointing out their sin publicly. So Herodias wanted to shut him up too, just like Herod. So the daughter of Herodias, which history tells us her name is Salome, she goes to her mother and says, what do I need to ask Herod for? Herodias says, tell him, give me John the baptizer's head here on a platter. Cut his head off. Although the king regretted it, verse 9, he commanded that it be granted because of his oaths and his guests. So he was more interested in his guests and his words rather than Almighty Yahweh's commandments. Chopping off the head of a prophet. Major, major sin. Verse 10, so he sent orders and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported this to Yeshua. Because I'm sure they knew that the Master wanted to know about this. Because, see, Yeshua and Yohanan, John the Baptizer, they had a relationship. They were actually kinsmen. John the Baptizer, as we'll learn next week, was the one that baptized Yeshua in water to fulfill all righteousness. Look with me now. Let's do some more horizontal reading. Look to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. And you'll notice that we're going to read some of the same things, but Mark's going to fill in some of the gaps. It helps to read not just one book, but when you're reading the Gospels, read them horizontally. Look and see what each author wrote about the account. Mark 6, verse 14. King Herod heard of this because Yeshua's name had become well known. Some said... John the baptizer has been raised from the dead. And that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. But others said, he's Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Sin is so ugly and sin is so strong and sin is so powerful and the pleasures of sin are for a season that even when people are offered the opportunity of forgiveness and repentance, they love their sin so much that they refuse to repent of their sin. I know people right now, know them personally, that are in a love affair with their sin. And I have talked to them and I have tried through the power of the Spirit of Yahweh to cry out to men and women that I know, but they love their sin too much and they'll love it all the way straight to hell unless they repent and accept the Messiah for who He is. Herod's one of these people. Verse 19, So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, because Herod was in awe of John and was protecting him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. How about that? Herod's upset at him, so he locks him in prison, puts chains around him. But the text says he's in awe of John. 
He knows he's righteous. He knows he's holy. But he still won't listen to him. He still won't leave Herodias, give Herodias back to Philip and not be involved in that adultery, adulteration, spurious mixture. It's what it, what it is. When Herod heard him, he would be very disturbed, yet would hear him gladly. That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? He knew John was telling the truth, but yet he refused to repent. Verse 21, Now an opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. So he swore oaths to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Then she went out and said to her mother, her mother's Herodias, What do I need to ask for? Herodias is wanting to cover up her sin by killing John. How many, though, know that killing John is not going to cover up her sin? Yahweh's eyes are still looking from heaven and going to see the sin. So often we think that we sin privately. And we try to cover it up and cover it up and cover it up. And we're so worried about people seeing our sin. But Yahweh looks down from heaven the entire time and sees every move that we make. Herodias thought, well, let me get rid of him and I'll get rid of the problem. No, you'll still be in sin. What should I ask for? The end of verse 24. John the Baptist's head, she said. Immediately she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter right now. Though the king was deeply distressed because of his oaths and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in the tomb. This was innocent blood, brothers and sisters. John had done nothing worthy of death. John was a righteous follower of Yahweh. He believed in the coming Messiah. He believed not only in the coming Messiah, he acknowledged the Messiah had come. He's more powerful than I am. I can't unstrap his sandal. I need to be baptized of you. We're going to see that John told Yeshua. But yet they cut the head off of this guy. Major sin. Major sin. Look back with me now to Luke chapter 3 and let's close. We'll read Luke 3.19 again. But Herod the Tetrarch being rebuked by him about Herodias, his brother's wife, and about all the evil things Herod had done. Recognize here at the end of verse 19 that Herod's only evil was not just in the situation of John the baptizer. He had committed many other evil things, Brother Danny. He was the one that was guilty. By Yahweh's law, under Yahweh's theocracy or theonomy, Herod would have been the one that got put to death. But because things were backwards, Brother Dan... And politics were not like they should have been. The innocent was the one that got put to death. John the baptizer. But bless Almighty Yahweh, John the baptizer will be in the kingdom. And he'll get to live forever. Never to die again. Boy, that's beautiful, isn't it? And in all likelihood, Herod won't. 
because we don't have any indication that Herod ever repented of this wickedness. Serious. Verse 20 says, he added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. We're going to stop right there today, but it seems as though Luke, the author, is saying that one of the most grievous sins that Herod committed was locking John in prison. When you look at this in the Greek, he added this. It talks as though, or it sounds as though it's saying, he did this greatest sin on top of all the other things. He locked up the man of Yahweh into prison. And I'd like to believe, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, and I might be speculating a little bit, and y'all can rebuke me afterwards if that's in order. But I like to believe that when, even when John the baptizer was in prison, whenever he got a chance to see Herod, remember Herod liked to talk to him, even though it disturbed him? I like to believe that John still told him every time, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, Herod. You need to repent. Brothers and sisters, sin is ugly. Sin is dangerous. Sin will hold us captive. We have to constantly, every day, fall on our knees and ask Yahweh to search us and help us not to transgress His law. Brother Leon and I have talked about even those things that we don't even know about. We ought to pray Yahweh reveal to us those things so that we can even be more of a pure follower of you and your Son. And not like Herod the transgressor. I want to be John the baptizer. I don't want to be here at the transgressor. Hallelujah. Next Sabbath, we're going to talk about Yeshua's baptism. I'm really looking forward to that. We'll do some more horizontal reading. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about the baptism of the Messiah. So if you want to get ahead of me, go study those texts and you'll be more blessed for the sermon next week. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you so much. I thank you for our dear brother, Yohanan, the baptizer, the immerser, that grew up and he started his ministry when he was around the same age as, as, as your son, Yahweh. And He didn't get to minister for too long because he got put in prison and then he got put to death unjustly. But his ministry was still successful because he did preach according to your word. And today, Father Yahweh, I give John the Baptizer the honor that he's due as your prophet. And I look forward to visiting with him and talking with him in the kingdom of heaven. Father, thank you for the good news of Yeshua. Thank you, Father, for the news that even if we have done heinous sins like Herod and Herodias, that we can still repent and we can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven from all of our transgressions, white, clean. Even as Saul of Tarsus, who was guilty of participating in murder of, of believers, he was forgiven. So Father Yahweh, let no one in here leave thinking that they've committed any sin that is too great to be forgiven. If they're pricked in their heart, Father Yahweh, and if they're pressed in their conscience, I pray that even right now as I pray, right now where they're standing, they would repent and thrust their self upon the mercy of Your Son, accept Him in water baptism, and confess Him as Master and Savior, and be saved from their sins. Father Yahweh, I pray for those of us that are in the position that John the Baptizer is in, 
on speaking against sin. I pray that when we encounter situations in our workplace or with people that we meet in the world, when the time is right, even though we, we do it in a spirit of love, I pray that we will not be afraid of the face of man when we see someone in open rebellion to you, Yahweh. And we would like John say, look, brother, look, sister, this is not lawful for you to be participating in. I pray that we would have that holy courage and boldness Speak it in humility and love, but nevertheless, speak it and speak it firmly so that people understand sin is heinous and ugly and filthy in your sight, Yahweh. Help us, Father Yahweh. We need your help. We can't do it by ourselves. We need your help. Thank you for the new moon, for this fifth new moon on your, your timekeeping. Father Yahweh, bring us back here next Sabbath to sing, share, read, study Your Word again. Holy Father, I love You, and I love Your Son. And it's through Your Son, Yeshua, that I pray. Amen.